0: What is up, beautiful Dynasty Leaguers? Welcome back to the Dynasty Dynamic. I'm your host, Max Cascons, joined by the man who needs DeAndre Swift back on the field so his bold prediction can come true, (laughs) a.k.a. (laughs) the Run DMC, a.k.a. Mr. Dan McAuliffe, and by the man, who's also a Moose, who has Kyler back. He's ready for the playoff push. I'm talking at DFF Moose, a.k.a. Mr. Mike McAuliffe. Gentlemen, how are we doing tonight?
1: Doing great, man. I'm, uh, I'm excited. I know I uh, wasn't able to hop on the last one, so uh, getting back into the swing of things. I'm hoping DeAndre got my uh, holiday gift basket to make sure he comes back to full health. And, a lot of uh, icy hot. In lot that lot basket, of I- exactly. A right? lot of icy hot there. Uh, no no honeydew melon, by the way. If you send any gift, uh, especially anything with fruit and you have honeydew melon, <laughs> uh, forget about it. That is, a, that is a garbage <laughs> filler for any gift basket, and I just want that on the record here. But
2: otherwise, I'm fantastic, Max.
0: Mike, how we doing, buddy?
2: I'm good, man. I uh, I am super glad to have Kyler back. Of course, he's basically on like 80% of my fantasy teams at this point. So definitely, I uh, haven't sent him a gift yet, but I'll be sure to send him plenty of ankle tape so that he does not, uh, you know, he's able to come through for me during the playoffs because definitely excited for that. I got one uh, one buy on the lockdown and I'm searching for another buy. So we'll see what happens. Oh, baby,
0: I will say, while Kyler is one of the most exciting players in the NFL, I have loved the Colt McCoy renaissance. Oh, yeah. Really, <laughs> really throwing it back. It's there. pretty cool. Um, but I know we are crunch for time tonight, gentlemen. So I'm going to jump right into Tweet of the Week. And this one goes out to Tage Seth. So at T-E-J-F-B Analytics on Twitter. We will post it in the show notes and get it up when we throw the show out. So let's get to the fun stuff. And I wanted to lead the show tonight with a player who I feel like is one of the more controversial names in Dynasty Leagues right now, what to do with this guy. And that is San Francisco superstar, Elijah Mitchell. Now, since I might be taking the glass half empty side of this Elijah Mitchell conversation, I wanted to at least point out that when Dan and I did our NFL draft recap show all those months ago. We both singled out a player to keep the flame lit for. And so I want to cue that clip back up because despite whatever I'm about to say on the rest of the show, I was telling people to keep their eyes peeled for this sixth round kid out of Louisiana Lafayette, but to close it out, Elijah Mitchell, I think he went in the sixth round. Okay. And this is the kind of guy that if I'm investing late in rookie drafts, you know, comes out of a small school, Louisiana Lafayette, absolute monster athleticism runs a 4-4 flat at 510, 201 pounds. Um 88th percentile burst, 79th percentile agility. He's really one of those guys just if I'm gonna throw darts in the later rounds, give me the elite athletes. He's a guy that you know. We were talking about you know where to put him in drafts before. Nice to at least see him get drafted. Um, obviously, any of these later running back picks are always a long shot. But these are the guys I root for, and that's a guy that I just I can't not grab. Those guys. So exactly. Elijah Mitchell, that's my pick. Keeping the flame lit. I love it. All right, so there you have it. We were talking about Elijah Mitchell back in the day, but now it's a much more difficult conversation, right? He's produced. Tons of fantasy points, been a great waiver wire pickup in uh, seasonal leagues and obviously a great late round darling pick in dynasty leagues. So I wanted to frame this up with a trade because Mike and I actually made an Elijah Mitchell trade very recently at the deadline. And I have a team hugely injured. Otherwise it'd be awesome. Like all my other teams and uh, had to flip Elijah Mitchell, set him free to Mike. And basically Mike's going for the championship I flipped Elijah Mitchell for two future second rounders. So Mike, obviously you believe in this guy moving forward. We're using him for the playoff and championship push. Now, give me some quick thoughts on Elijah Mitchell.
2: Totally. So, you know, framing up that trade, um, was just, for, it was for a 23 second and a 24 second. So, the way my mind was operating is, you know, Elijah was a guy that I missed out on in every single one of my dynasty leagues. I didn't put en- down any any bids for him. I think you actually ended up using like ninety five percent of your of your uh, fab to, to cool pick him up. thousand. Thank yeah, you very there much. There we go. So a full hundred percent. So, um, you know, he's a guy that I obviously was pretty cop- um, surprised by. You know, he looked pretty solid at Louisiana um, when he was uh, playing there in college. Um, six-round pick, definitely a lot of people thought that Trey Sermon was going to be the guy there, but pretty quickly we saw him take over um, as the guy that Kyle Shanahan wants to roll with. Um, if you're taking a look at player profiler, as far as um, opportunity share, he is number four in the NFL among running backs um, for basically just how often he's being used. He's the definition of a workhorse running back right now. So although it came out of nowhere, those are the kinds of guys that I – i am sort of glad to chase for what I believe was not too high of a price to pay. He's a guy that I definitely, um, I love the way that he runs. He's definitely, I have some of the reservations with him due to the fact that he's not exactly the, the um, best pass catcher. Or at least he's not utilized that way. I think that there's definitely doubts about his future with Trey Lance, probably getting, obviously getting way more involved next year. Um, but for the time being, you know, he's the kind of guy that I think could be, Obviously, fall off a little bit next year, but I don't think he's going away anytime soon. Um, you know, he's gotten hurt a couple times here and there, and every single time he's come back and been given that workhorse role yet again, twenty plus carries a game. So, I just, it, I as long as my eyes aren't deceiving me, I think that this guy could be here to stay. And I think you know he's a guy that you want to go get if it's if the price isn't too crazy.
0: Dan, couple second rounders for Elijah Mitchell. Does that feel like fair value, and what are your thoughts going forward with with Elijah?
1: Yeah, especially since it's second rounders. I think this is a guy who, if he does become the guy, becomes worth a first easy. Uh, And if you've done two second rounders, I think in Michael's uh, kind of uh, competitive mode here, uh, a fine utility price to be able to use as running back – especially in a position that is just being plagued with injuries. I mean, even himself a little bit right now. Right. So that cost to me to be able to go chase a championship, totally worth it. And it could pay off some dividends. If some of the things, I think we've started to mention the the issues around just like his potential future. There's a lot of injuries uh, on the 49ers right now. He's reaping those benefits of not having some competition there. I think you see a lot of people start to equate him to a situation we saw last year with James Robinson, uh, where it's just someone who came out of nowhere, doesn't have that draft capital. So you start to worry, is he the guy? Um, I think one thing I'd like to kind of point out that's a little different is um, Elijah Mitchell is doing it with, at least for a majority of the time, a very healthy Trey Sermon, who's drafted well above him, watching him play football right now. And there's a little bit of a difference there, because when James Robinson kind of came to, it was shipped off Lenny, and there was really no one else. It was a necessity type of thing, and he was just kind of thrust into that role. I think you see Shanahan likes something about this kid. Uh, it's certainly his speed. He's got some great speed, 97th percentile speed uh, there. And he's just performed well within that system. So I am rooting for the kid. I've loved watching him. I think he's been very talented. Um, But the other aspect is you can't predict the future. So I wouldn't probably be paying much more than what you guys uh, worked out as a trade because there's that risk that's kind of built into it with the upside reward. If Shanahan uh, sticks with him, just like we've seen him stick with other guys like Mostert came out of nowhere, became super fantasy relevant for quite some time. He just had the injury bug. So if we see him get a little bit of the Mostert treatment, uh, he could very well be a fantasy running back that I honestly, I hope we're talking about more next year.
0: Yeah, winning Dynasty championships is hard to do. So I applaud Mike's win-now move. I thought it was a fair deal and helped both of us accomplish our goals. Um, Mm -hmm. I will keep it short with uh, the potential downside of Elijah Mitchell. When I was putting these notes together, I thought you guys were skewing way more positive. I know there's some buzz out there of it's like, this is the guy, push him up the boards. I am totally not there yet. In fact, I am here to remind you as the resident draft capital snob of this (laughs) podcast that... There's a bit of an undrafted curse and just to run through some quick examples, like I am old enough to remember CJ Anderson lighting the world on fire the second half of 2014, becoming a dynasty darling, and then falling flat. Thomas Rawls had all-purpose games in 2015 of like 169, 255 yards. Where's Thomas Rawls these days? And then two of the more easy recent examples, Philip Lindsay. I mean, Totally came out of nowhere, was a league winner for people that year. And a year or two later, you can't even throw him in your flex spot. Same thing with James Robinson, right? Last year's league winner gets absolutely bodied in the draft when they pick ETN. I think everybody that owns James Robinson got a little bailed out with that injury. So that's always something to consider with some of these undrafted guys that have their moment. And then under Shanahan in general, They haven't had a true workhorse. They haven't had a thousand yard rusher since he's been the coach of the 49ers. Now, I'm not saying that these guys haven't been usable in your fantasy, on your fantasy teams. But again, just trying to caution people here of pushing this guy too far up boards when it comes to startups or when it comes to trade value. You know, you look at, Last year it was almost an even split between Jeff Wilson, Raheem Mostert, and even Jarek McKinnon was contributing. And the list goes on. It's Raheem Mostert, it's Matt Breda, it's Tevin Coleman, it's Matt Breida. it's Alfred Morris, it's CJ Bethard was third in rushing one year. Shout out to CJ Bethard. Um, so what I'm trying to say is I feel like exactly what Mike pushed in, you know, pushed into the middle for his chips on Elijah Mitchell. That feels like good value. I'm personally always trying to flip these guys when they flash and continue to acquire picks or acquire other guys that I'm higher on. That's that's pretty much my game. So if you both, both you guys do not have any additional things to add, I say we just jump into the heart of the show, which is us picking some guys that surprised us this year, Dan. And yeah. I'm going to ask you to kick it off with another running back that came in this draft class that uh, has been a pleasant surprise so far.
1: Yeah, so let's talk about uh, Michael Carter. Um, It's funny, I think most of the time uh, our conversations about Michael Carter arose on this podcast uh, were you continuing to bring up that he is the other UNC running back that I also certainly did like, but just was certainly putting aside in my mind compared to one Javante Williams, who uh, notably I'm a big fan of. Um, but Michael Carter, um, certainly very talented, uh, throughout college, uh, for sure. So definitely someone that was on our radar, but then he goes to the jets, right? And so I think when we're talking about being surprised, That's a situation that has been a little messy for quite some time. Uh, We certainly know it as such being uh, AFC East Patriots fans uh, and knowing kind of the the issues that the Jets have had over a a little while. Plus, it's just that it wasn't a super clear backfield because they started to... They had uh, Ty Johnson from last year. They added Tevin Coleman. So it was just messy enough where he wasn't immediately being pegged as like the, the lead dog. How much time is he going to need to kind of work into a system like that? Um, but I mean, he's got a decent enough build. He's, he's 5'8, 200. So at least getting over that 200 mark, but a little smaller as compared to some of the true war courses that we'd want to be able to see, right? The big thing about him, uh, at least from some of the stats we've started to see, is he's super shifty. Uh, yet he has some strength. Uh, so he's got up. He, he's in the upper tier uh, of running backs for missed tackles forced per carry and yards after contact per carry. So he's holding his own. He hasn't gotten crazy opportunities compared to some of the other workhorses, um, but he's being utilized in a way that kind of I believe plays to his strengths. So right now you're seeing him at the RB28 uh, after only 10 games played because he has had some injury there. He's on IR, but he's coming back in week 15. With being at RB28, he's top 20 in receptions per game. That has totally bolstered Uh, a lot of his value and it's really nice to be able to see because I think that's something that you can see that continuing to grow especially with a rookie uh, quarterback who's going to need to continue to dump it off Uh, they do not have the best O-line so they're going to be constantly kind of fighting against that and again half PPR PPR uh, catches are king so it's been really cool to be able to see him kind of carve out a little bit more of a niche than I expected for him to do this year because honestly I figured the Jets just across the board were going to be pretty garbage and rightfully so we've seen that that has not been a fun uh team for the first half of the season but they've started to hit their stride a little bit and I'm uh just again pleasantly surprised to see some of the stuff that he's been able to piece together there
0: my favorite thing to do for for most of this season leading or leading up to it was to remind Dan that Michael Carter outproduced Javante Williams (laughs) during their time in North Carolina Uh, because yeah, we had that, uh, Javante Williams, Travis Etienne argument that just yep. did not get to come to fruition yet. Mm-hmm. So let's keep it rolling, uh, with another running back Mike, who has yeah. turned back the clock and surprised some people That's with right. his performance this year.
2: Absolutely. So we're talking James Connor here. Um, you know, he coming off of a 2020 where he played pretty sparingly, uh, in the back half of, of that year. And, you know, it seems like a lot of people just forgot about what this guy is capable of doing, including myself. Um, you know, for good reason. He's had some knocks against him because of the fact that over uh, the three-year span before this year, he's averaged about 12 games a year. So he's pretty much been a lock to miss 25% of the games each year. Uh, but he goes to Arizona, signs a one-year deal for I think it was like 1.75 uh, million. So nothing crazy nothing pointing towards you know this is the guy that's going to really um take over our backfield obviously they lost Kenyon drake um and a lot of people uh once drake went away assumed that chase edmonds is going to assume uh that lead back role and obviously you also have kyler murray on that team who had just come off of an 800 yard uh season so You'd think that the upside is pretty capped uh, for James Conner. I pretty much avoided him everywhere I could, even though his value seemed to be super low. You probably could have picked him up from a team that didn't um, really believe in him anymore. But here he stands now, uh, week after week 13, second in rushing TDs, uh, tied with Joe Mixon, only behind Jonathan Taylor, 18th in rushing yards too. So he's still he's running the ball well. He's not just uh, only vulturing touchdowns. Um, and, you know, this is something that I just wish that I could say that I saw coming. Uh, but this is, a, you know, this is a guy that came on in 2018. In 13 games, he had 12 touchdowns. Um, and I think I'm I'm disappointed in myself for also not realizing and digging into it a little bit more with Chase Edmonds, the fact that this guy has, including this year so far, he has 293 career carries. Can you guys guess how many... Of those carries were goal line carries, how many in his I'm four guessing year less career? Less than
0: less than ten.
2: Yeah, i I'm, I'm going to say five. Yep, there two we go. two we'll career goal line carries. One of those coming this year. So before this year, when they signed James James Connor, Chase Edmonds had one goal line carry, proving that he probably was not going to be, uh, you know, that main touchdown um, receiving running back. Leaving James Connor with a lot of opportunity to come here in here and uh, be fantasy relevant. So. I was very surprised, although hindsight is twenty twenty, 20 It's definitely great to see him doing great again. He looks awesome.
0: Dan, any quick thoughts on James Conner before we move on?
2: No, it's,
1: it's again, I you always loved the story of James Conner, and you hoped that um, he was going to be able to find a way to continue to be relevant. I mean, it's funny. Something about Arizona, man, same thing with Zach Ertz. All of a sudden, he's got a little yeah. more chutzpah uh, to, to be out there <laughs> on the field and making some plays, so... Um, I I, I love it. And again, Mike, as you said, there's always players that you're just like, they're undervalued, but like, I'm not going to pay for them. They probably could have this amazing upside, but like, I don't know, maybe I'll just do something else instead. He was just clearly someone that was a screaming value uh, Mm -hmm. and own preconceived biases and some of the narratives that you yourself paint or others get in the way. And he had a great opportunity. He's continued to seize it. He's been a big beneficiary, of course, of injury. Um, but it's still, um, the, the, even that should have been baked into the Valley. Hey, if Chase goes down, look at where, uh, James Conner, who's been a lead back could be.
2: Exactly. we are. (laughs) And and even when Chase, Chase Edmonds was healthy, he was still scoring. uh, Like I said, he was taking all the goal line carries and he was, they were, if you look at the numbers, they were pretty much splitting time, even when Edmonds was healthy. So I just, uh, I think it's, it's crazy that, uh, you know, there's plenty of people that did see it, but plenty of people that didn't see it coming.
0: So I broke our running back trend with my first guy. <laughs> Dang it. And I want to talk about somebody that feels very high profile and uh, throw some quick stats and then talk about maybe is this cause for concern? Always skewing negative on this stuff. So DK Metcalf, number 10 at wide receiver and fantasy points per game last year. It was middle of last season when Dan and I started talking about, is this the new number one wide receiver in dynasty yeah. to own? That is, and I mean, that was the hype train. I think it was justified given his athleticism, his pedigree. Now we flash forward to 2021 and he's sitting at wide receiver 24 currently. Number 102 at the wide receiver position in target separation, which I'm not saying that's ever been his game, but anytime mm. you're outside the top hundred in a wide receiver metric, not probably great. a little cause no. for concern number 44 in contested catch rate with those size speed freaks I feel like that's something that I want to see higher he was more in the low 30s last year again I'm not saying that this is his game and where he makes his money but those were two red flags to me I think the biggest red flag of all is been Russell Wilson and as somebody who's loved watching this guy play and felt like he was undervalued across the board in dynasty leagues for years, Going to do a quick couple metrics comparison for 2021 Russ versus 2020 Russ. And this is all from player profiler. We, I feel like we're champions of the site now. Love using their data package. Russell Wilson's accuracy rating this year at the QB position, number 19 overall. He was number four last year. Jeez. True completion percentage, which takes out drops, sifts through all the garbage, gives you the real completions that were catchable targets. He's number 21 this year. He's number five last year. Money throws that take exceptional skill to pull off. Number 29 last year. I'm sorry, number 29 this year. Number five last year. So I'm setting the table because I want to throw it back to you guys. Are we concerned about DK Metcalf at all and where he's still up in the top five wide receiver in Dynasty area?
1: So I would certainly say, are we concerned? Yes, because this is not where we envisioned him, where we were drafting him. Uh, I would say over the past two years, you were pleasantly surprised the year prior of how he was performing. This year, he was sometimes being drafted at the back of the first, depending on uh, what your strategy might have been. So this is definitely concerning currently based on anyone who's invested in in him, I would say, in my opinion, this is a huge buy low opportunity. Just because I think you that's the right seriously answer seriously <laughs> are going to be seeing uh, Russell Wilson very well might be taking off. Do I also think they look at this season and say, what the heck have we been doing? How are we not getting uh, a DK Metcalf the ball more and being able to work with it? So yeah, I'm concerned, but I as a savvy dynasty player and owner, I'm also looking at it as a big buy-low opportunity uh, because I do certainly believe he is a great talent and this year is not indicative of that.
0: Mike, what do you think? Quick hits.
2: Yeah, I, I don't have a lot too much um, to add to that. I agree with um, both of your points. I definitely think I personally don't um, have a lot of, of shares of Metcalf. I know that this is probably a situation I would want to steer clear from personally. Um, I do think that Russ, especially uh, after coming back from his injury, he doesn't look the same. I think he's definitely still being affected by um, that, that finger that was giving him trouble. Um, you know, he could come back next year and be healed up and be like old Russ, or as, as Dan had pointed out, he could very well much be on another team next year. So um, DK Metcalf's still 23 years old. You hope that um, come next year they, they rethink some things and realize that they need to get him more involved.
0: I set the trap and neither of you fell for it. Dan saw (laughs) right through it. Um, I I remember going into a startup in 2017 and it was after DeAndre Hopkins. I think I looked it up earlier. It was, he was like number 33 in fantasy points per game. It was his one down year. He was still like 25. I remember being able to grab him at the back of the second round and instant competitive advantage. So I'm not wavering on Metcalf. I will say one of my favorite moments of this season, if we're going narrative street has been DK Metcalf, during these games where he's frustrated not getting targets, complaining to the man who was once punched in the face by his own teammate, <laughs> locker room problem, Gino Smith. That has absolutely <laughs> been one of my favorite moments. So uh, I don't have any, you know, no shade at Gino, although I guess I just did a little bit mm, there. Whatever. But uh, yeah, it was pretty hilarious to see him complaining <laughs> to Geno Smith of all people. So we got one more of these. And Dan, I want to toss it back to you. Keeping on the wide receiver train, let's hear it.
1: Yeah, so this is actually another guy um, that was brought up in some of our bold predictions kind of episodes earlier. Uh, And it's Michael Pittman. Uh, Michael Pittman kind of going into this year, again, to cover where we might have been doubting a little bit and why he's become, uh, on on this show sheet, a surprise, someone who surprised us, is uh, certainly A, prior to this, the wide receiver room was just kind of super blah in terms of there was no one that had really stepped up uh the year prior riddled with injuries across the board so everyone was playing off this kind of even keel where it's it could be anyone's job right and it made it really hard where we were kind of ranking any of those guys in like the 20s to 30s sometimes um because we just didn't know how to value them Then enter Carson Wentz, who I think Max and you and I uh, have been pretty critical of over the the course of the show, because, uh, yes, while he had had some really good play in that one year, uh, he was doing pretty terrible in some of the other uh, years prior. So then you see, okay, Carson Wentz is going to come in and, and make this an easier decision to be able to make across all these wide receivers. No, thank you. But. There was that upside, right? And there was this kind of, okay, could you see this happening? Yeah, I mean, Carson Wentz has supported a, uh, a high-value wide receiver before. We just weren't sure if he was going to continue to do it going into this year. Um, so Michael Pittman comes out, and we finally got to see him um, really ascend to what he was truly capable of all along. He's a he's a big dude, 6'4", 223 pounds, Uh, 93rd percentile speed score and 89th uh, percentile catch radius, which I think we've started to see uh, come very much in in handy uh, with his uh, contested catch rates. Like he's just been a really solid dude to honestly, you can see plenty of times when Carson Wentz is kind of scrambling out there. He's going to find a way to force it over to Pittman uh, more than others, just because Pittman has made some unreal catches where he's got two guys on him, finds a way to be able to just sift through it and pull it down somehow. And he's really impressed me because honestly, uh, last year, I really didn't see that, uh, full potential there. Uh, I thought it was going to be a little bit more of a split across all the, uh, the different wide receivers. He has impressed me big time. And currently he's sitting at wide receiver 14 and half PPR, uh, and 11th in both total, uh, receiving yards and receptions. Like that's That's an alpha wide receiver uh, when it comes to just the opportunity that he's been having there and the production that we've seen out of that opportunity. So um, where he goes from here is going to be interesting because he is one where I am ecstatic if I have him. I don't know if I'm going to chase him right now off of this because I still feel like there's enough change in the air where is he getting Carson Wentz for another season? Are is, 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 is they potentially going to bring in someone else to continue to be competitive? I don't know, but if I have him right now, I know I'm very happy and I do believe he's going to be uh, at least a high-end wide receiver too for years to come.
0: Yeah. Shout out to Max Andrus for the second show in a row. Absolutely. Bold prediction by him. Um, You know what? I I wasn't huge into Michael Pittman as a prospect. um, And the Carson Wentz thing didn't make that any easier. I mean, this is a guy who pretty late breakout. So I'm surprised he was was at all on Dan's radar coming out of USC. And, you know, did most of his damage non-early declare um did most of his damage his senior year but uh yeah again maybe we missed that one mike any quick things to add on michael Pittman?
2: nothing really to add um i think it was a great synopsis of of you know i think it's cool to see how he's really just taken over as as an alpha type i thought he was definitely had a solid chance of of finishing as a uh, back end wide receiver two type but um he's he's outperformed that by far and it's cool to see And just
1: as well, a let's reminder, let's keep it rolling. Oh, I have oh, one lesson,
2: just to keep it, just to remind people, he was
1: drafted before Jonathan Taylor, who is an absolute beast, as we've True. seen going on. So the team still a mistake. It's still <laughs> a mistake. <laughs> still, there's something, Doesn't something there fun. that the team really <laughs> likes about him, uh, and I'm curious to see him develop there. So
0: better lucky than good, Chris Ballard. You could have missed <laughs> out on Jonathan Taylor. Okay, Uh Mike, let's keep it rolling. Talk about another alpha wide receiver that unfortunately. Has broken some hearts this season.
2: Yeah, I think it's it's only right that I bring up Julio Jones because of the fact that I was definitely a believer that he still had something left in the tank. Still think he has something left in the tank, but uh, definitely I didn't see this kind of year coming from him. Uh, PPR wide receiver 94 as it stands right now. Um, Obviously, you know Julio was really for a bit there was was a consistent. Um, player health-wise, 2014 through 2019, he ever, he was playing 14 games or more every single year. Last year, obviously came down with that hamstring injury that really gave him some issues um, throughout the year. Thought that, you know, maybe that was that one year. Um, turns out he's getting older, and that exact same hamstring injury has really, um, really hindered his ability to be a valuable fantasy asset so far this year six games played zero touchdowns and only one spike game where he had over a hundred yards. Um, you know, it's definitely, I, I had a lot, um, didn't, didn't have too much stake in him this year, but definitely hoping he turns it around. He has a chance to do so has some pretty easy matchups coming up. Uh, Jacksonville, Pittsburgh, San Fran, Miami, and Houston. uh, Four of those five teams are in the bottom half of uh, fantasy points allowed to wide receivers this year. So We'll see what happens. A.J. Brown is going to be out this week. Maybe this is where he starts to turn things around. Um, but, you know, definitely you, you got to take some, take some, give some. But definitely it's a sad, sad day that Julio Jones has not had the best year.
0: <laughs> on the bright side, it's kind of cool to me that I can say we don't really need to talk about this because we've yeah, covered this but, on prior yeah, shows. I think it's pretty um, pretty
2: simple. You you being the, the process person, knowing that this stuff is bound to happen. I was a little giddy this year going for Julio.
0: <laughs> yeah. I will never forget when Dan and I, before we even really started getting on the mics and we were just scratching out our original dynasty rankings just to see where we had some differences. He was blown away by how low I had Julio. And this was not even that long. ago, This was like two years mm-hmm. ago. Yeah. Unless you're Tom Brady, father time is undefeated yep. and it's sad to see these legends no longer to no longer be able to stay healthy and unfortunately i i tend to be the person that bets on historical trends i was not on julio the last year or two Mm -hmm. and uh yeah it just it's father time man Father time dan anything to add there real quick
1: you you, very quickly i guess the 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 one thing to note in these scenarios is hey you still could very well get some great weeks out of julio jones on Mm -hmm. your dynasty team going forward um don't Go and sell him for a third, you know. Like you're gonna get some people who're gonna go full tilt. Like oh, he's broken. He's never gonna do anything. No, that's the guy that you keep on your bench. You let him retire. He's he's a great exactly. uh, unless unless uh, you are really in a need elsewhere. He could very well put up a couple solid weeks of twenty plus points when you're in a pinch. Uh, that's not what you drafted him as, Mike. When you were talking about it, yeah. but he could <laughs> still have utility. So just don't take a guy like that and totally move off without value because the value of having it in your flex could be just as fine
0: great point all right gentlemen we're doing a great job with the pace of this show so i'm gonna bring us home and just so happens to kind of perfectly align with what i was talking about earlier i want to talk about james robinson so james robinson we already kind of went over the undrafted thing comes out of nowhere last year i mean he was a league winner i know so many people that lost in the championship to the team. One of them is sitting on this call with us right now (laughs) to the team that had James Robinson, because it was just such a major advantage on the field as the running back position often's to be when it, when it's when it hits. So last year, number five in fantasy points per game, number six in weighted opportunities last year, this year falls all the way down to 17. And this is with an injured first round pick. Like, I was sitting there pounding the table for Travis Etienne, telling everybody to watch out for your shares of James Robinson. And Etienne gets injured. All of a sudden, it's like, hey, we get year two. Run it back with James Robinson. He was number nine in receptions last year, all the way down at number 25 this year. Guys, I think James Robinson is a phenomenal football player. And I'm actually yeah. glad that he signs You know, one of these three-year deals as an undrafted free agent and after the next year is his contract year and he can go elsewhere and go try to make himself some more money i my question more here is what is going on where is the workload for james robinson the jags oh Dan dan's already ready to jump all over this hold <laughs> on one sec so the jags can't be that much more of a disaster this year than they were last year right huge upgrade at the quarterback position theoretically hasn't looked like it but i mean big big upgrade at the quarterback position so at at minimum even if maybe some of the efficiency and the touchdowns and the yardage isn't there like where is the workload for james robinson like what is going on in jacksonville right now
1: Urban Meyer. Urban Meyer is what's going on in Jacksonville right Dan's now. Dan's always They're blaming Jackson- the coaches. It's, it's, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, absolutely. Look at how many talented players you now have that are just completely imploding with the situation that they have there. Any of the white, our our love of uh, Laviska Chenault and the dual threat that he can be, absolutely not being utilized whatsoever. Trevor Lawrence and his rushing ability, uh, no, let's just continue to have him throw over <laughs> uh, out in the sidelines. There, you have a guy who's rushed for what he has with uh, with uh, Robinson here, and you're not going to give him the football in this scenario if you're not going to let your quarterback pass properly. It's absolutely astronomical how bad he has been in managing this team, and so it's really hard because all of these guys' values are going to take a tank. You, you literally have Trevor Lawrence, some guy who's being lauded as the quarterback god. You know you're going to have struggles with uh, QB in their first year, rightfully so, but all of these guys' values has been negatively impacted by the lack of creative use of any of these players solely on the shoulders of urban Meyer who absolutely should not be there next year i hope he goes to some third tier college and just shrinks away from all this because i have been so disappointed with what he's done with the jaguars this year that's first of answer. all to-
0: to pull the curtain back. We were like 40 minutes late recording this show because Dan had to work late and then had tech issues galore and we got for the first time ever super fired up Dan and I'm glad it Let's finally go. came through on the show. So, here's what I will say. They've done a pretty good job creatively using Jamal Agnew, former former cornerback, okay? So, no, but You're uh, right, all the creativity went to
1: Jamal Agnew and everywhere else it was deprived.
0: Yeah. So, no, it's it's been a it's been a disaster. I mean, it, like nobody can start players. Uh, I was starting Jamal Agnew in an IDP slot for a little while. Fair, Thank yeah. you. Sleeper app. And was really upset when you finally took away that eligibility. <laughs> Cause that was a huge advantage. <laughs> Number one seed team in redraft. Um, but yeah, it's a mess, Mike, any quick thoughts? I mean, I don't want to dwell on this. It just, I was the person saying sell James Robinson. I was the person saying, be careful with James Robinson. I've always thought James Robinson was a talented player. He's just not somebody I was looking to hold on to in dynasty, but it's like the workload should be there. Right, Mike?
2: Oh, of course. I think it, I mean, Dan pretty much said it all. I would pretty much say ditto to, to what he said and in a more, in a more calm manner. Um, <laughs> 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 no, he definitely, I, um. I, just, I think in Dynasty in particular, especially this year is going to go by. Next year, you got ETN coming back. And then after that, he's a free agent. I, I just, it's frustrating from a Dynasty standpoint. Um, but yeah, I just think it, it comes down to the Jags being the Jags. And, you know, they just can't seem to figure it out ever. So,
1: yeah. You Absolutely hope, brutal. You hoped that James Robinson, because you knew how this was going to end. James Robinson isn't the, considered probably the future uh of the jags because of the etn pick there's maybe a chance that if he really balled out this year that they would consider a one-two punch like a Kamara ingram or whatever um but now in this scenario undrafted not being able to show out this year and potentially warrant a trade i just i just feel bad for him because you hope that (laughs) whatever happens next year he's able to to show out but he it it was a hit job (laughs) on his on his fantasy value uh and you hate to see it but uh who knows? Maybe the latter bit of this season they'll they'll figure something out and uh just switch some stuff up. But in the meantime, it's hard to watch.
0: Jags fans, and especially LaVisca, Chenault LaVisca, I Oof. love you so much. <laughs>
2: Marvin Jones, I love you,
0: you. You will always have you will always have that game that you held Josh Allen to six points. Nobody can take that. Nobody can take that away this from you. Is, Josh Allen sacks Josh Allen. You can't make that stuff up. But Mike's got a hot date or something to get to. So that's the show. That's it. Great job, gentlemen. I think we are going to hopefully squeeze one more in before the end mm-hmm. of the year. So be on the lookout for a uh, holiday special show. But... Getting out of here for today. This is the Dynasty Dynamic. You stay classy, Dynasty Leaguers.
2: Thanks for tuning in. Milk was a bad choice.